0: Our Sunday services are at 9 and 11 a.m. and include a full range of children's programs as well as a ministry specifically for children with special needs. Find us on Facebook or visit our website at rockpoint.org
1: for more information. Good morning again. My name is Randy Tomko. I'm the lead pastor here at Rock Point. I want to welcome you here whether you've been here for the last number of months or whether you are returning as a number of different hundreds are doing so. And for those of you who just walked in for the very first time, I want to share one or two quick announcements with you. Uh, One is that post-service prayer, which during the COVID period had been held on the atrium, is now being held on the front again. And so following the service, if you want to come up and you need prayer, you can access that following the service. Real significant issue. Next week, um, we are doing a little bit of a shift. And if you're not on our mailing list or email list, then uh, you may not know this. But next week, we're going to be holding a single service at 10 a.m., Single service at 10 a.m. Now, what that means is that first service is going to be really early and you guys are going to be really late, okay? So try and make an effort if you would, please. Let's meet together here at 10 a.m. Our speaker for the day is going to be John Freeman, who heads up our uh, student ministries and our 20 somethings ministries, and so if you'll be here for that. One other thing I wanted to mention is um, one of the reasons we've had in part, we just wanted to have our friends here last week and this week. Um, you know, the, the, uh, Kristen Ball last week and Ryan Hall this week, and next week, I think I'm going to change his name to Captain Tall or call or something like that. Um, but the other reason why is because of uh, Amanda, our worship leader's wife, Jake, um, has uh, been pregnant and they have delivered. And so welcome to Gavin. <laughs> And so just kind of wanted to have you be aware of that and tuned to that, which is kind of a cool thing. Now, during this period of time, we've not been receiving offering. We don't talk about money a whole lot. We'll talk about that at some point in time. Um, But we've been doing that either online or in the back with boxes and stuff. We'll be starting that up again soon. But before we go any further, we do at least want to recognize the giving that's been done. And uh, so let's take a moment here. Father, first of all, we come to you with our tithes and our offerings. Whether that's been online in this last week or next week or whether it's in person uh, in a box never compelled, never manipulated. We give freely to you because of the grace you've given us. Everything we have, the very breath in our lungs, comes from you. And so, Lord, we offer uh, these tithes and offerings before you freely, and um, we thank you for your grace. And we ask now, Lord, that you administer to us by your word and by your spirit in this service today, in Jesus' name, amen. We never have anyone on this platform that we do not know personally and that we are not in relationship with And uh, that is kind of for Kristen Ball out of Nashville last week and this week Ryan Hall. They are actually from the same church and part of a a network that we've been a part of for 30 plus years. Ryan is a well-known worship leader as well as someone who is very avid in the area of prayer and is also just kind of fun in a sort of ADD way uh, to enjoy. And so would you please very warmly welcome Ryan Hall.
0: Good morning. I don't have ADD, just so in case. But you can pray for me afterwards. (laughs) Thanks, Randy. Good morning. Um, My name's Ryan. I have a lovely wife named Karen at home. Um, We're in Middle Tennessee. And a daughter named Lily, who's nine, and a son named Ethan, who's seven and a half, which that half is very important when you're seven years old. So um, I know he would want me to tell you that. I'm so excited to be with you guys this morning. I love to worship Jesus. Um, I'm a worship leader, but I, I think I told the first service this morning. I get in trouble sometimes because I always tell people um, I've been, I love the New Testament. I love the book of Acts. And if you look in there, there aren't many worship leaders. I don't know if you guys are aware of this, but uh, it used to be that the only worship leader the church needed to praise the Lord was the bread and the cup. And communion was the worship leader of the New Testament church. So I really believe that God is doing something in his body to get us to a point where we don't really need much to worship him, right? We just see and remember what he did, and praise comes out. Isn't that wonderful? I really believe we're headed in that direction. Amen. Which means I may be out of a job, but that's okay. I won't have it in heaven anyway. Um, also, just I'm, I'm going to be talking about more of like the posture, the heart of worship like in our entire lives. But I just felt like I wanted to encourage you really quickly before we just jump from, a lot of times when we think of worship, we think of what we just did for like that 20 minutes. Like, yeah, that's worship. That's that one part. We're, not, we're going to talk about how worship is kind of a lifestyle and it's a heart posture. But I just want to encourage us. There's something so important that happens when we gather together and sing. Amen. Do you know historically the people of God are a singing people? This isn't something that CCM came up with or the worship Christian music industry came up with. This is something God came up with. And so this is a whole other talk. I'm not going to give it today because you get two talks for the price of one. Um, I'm not going to go into that today, but there's, this is a God thing. Our God is a God who sings. Amen. Zephaniah 3 says that he sings over us. He rejoices over us. He dances over us. Our God. Is a dancing God, a singing God, a rejoicing God. Amen? So when we sing and we worship him, yes, we're giving him ministry, but we also are reflecting his very nature and character. And when people come into our Sunday morning services and they see the people of God worshiping an invisible God, they're actually getting a revelation of his character and who he is. Amen? So we sing because the Father sings. So if any of you are here, you're like, I really like the music portion, but I'm not really a singer. Like, I want to congratulate you. If you come into the kingdom, you are now a singer. Amen? We're a singing people. That was just bonus. Um, today we're going to talk about just a heart posture of worship and what it looks like. You know, we have our experiences once a week, um, maybe twice a week. Um, but there's something about having a heart posture and a lifestyle of worship. So we're going to talk about that today. Um, I tell people sometimes, if I told you that I came to you and said, Hey, um, I just want you to know what a great husband I am. And you said, Ryan, tell us about how you're this great husband. And I said, Once a week, now hear this this is how good a husband I am. Once a week, I come into a building that's not my home and I listen to a person who's not my wife tell me about my wife this is how I am a good husband. You would be like, Ryan, that's crazy. That's not being a good husband. You know, I'd be like, wait, no, I'm really radical. Like, I also go on Wednesday night to that same building, and I listen to someone who's not my wife tell me about my wife. This is how I am the best husband. You know, you'd be like, Ryan, I think you need to go to some marital counseling. That's not really being a good husband. But so much of us as the church think that this is how we are experiencing intimacy with Jesus, that we're a Christ follower as we attend a place two times a week. And I want to encourage us today that the Lord has more for us. Amen? I'm sure many of us are experiencing that, and we can all high-five each other and be like, this is the greatest. We are part of the greatest thing ever, right? But I want if there's some of you out there that are like, well, what is this? You mean I could do more than this? I just want to invite you into something exciting. Amen? (laughs) Thank you. So we're going to look at um, two parallel passages. We're going to look at Psalm 27, one of my favorite psalms. And then we're going to look at the life of Mary of Bethany. Um, And so some of you may be familiar with her. We're going to see three instances from her life um, that I think are really cool, that that say something about our lives as Christians, our lives as believers, what we have access to. And we're just going to look at those things and kind of apply those things to our lives. You guys okay? First, we're going to talk about the woman at the well just to set us up today. That's in John 4. Um, I'm sure you guys are familiar with this passage. You know, uh, the disciples go to get food. Jesus sits down by this well in Samaria. It's a big deal. I don't have time to get into it, but it wasn't a great thing for Jewish people to talk to Samaritans at the time. Just didn't. It wasn't a good thing. So she sits down. Jesus tells her all about her life, says she's had multiple husbands. The one she's with is not now. Read it. It's a page turner. John 4. Check it out. It's awesome. So they they jump from this thing where he's talking to her about her life, and then she gets into this weird theological discussion with him about worship. And so that's where we are here. She says to Jesus, she says, our, father, our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Jesus said to her, like people were like, you say Bethel's the best. You say Hillsong United's the best. I don't know. That's just modern. I don't think it's like that. Um, Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will, wor- um, will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. Amen? Isn't that great that the Father is seeking worshipers? I love this. She's like, so Jesus, where's the right place to worship? Like an honest heart thing, right? What's the right place? Is it here at this mountain? Is it in Jerusalem? And he's like, it's neither, right? That's so God. You ever ask God a question and he gives you a third option you didn't even know was there? (laughs) Like, is it this or this? It's neither of those. Okay. Where is it? It's in spirit and truth. Amen? So there's something we're going to look at today of this daily idea of being with the Lord that actually will affect our times together on Sunday, right? Right? I used to tell people when they come up to pray, I was like, if this is the per- first time you're picking up the phone this week, please don't try it out on me, right? Like, if this is the first time you're praying this week, please don't try it out on me. Like, you know what I mean? Okay, maybe not. I've had some people that, like, just come up and say weird things. Okay. Just me. Cool. So let's look at this. So we're looking at Mary and Bethany. We're going to look at three observations of worship, okay? Psalm 27:4. One thing I have asked of the Lord, that will I seek after that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Amen. One thing. How many things? Very good. You guys are doing great. (laughs) There'll be a test afterwards. One thing I have asked of the Lord, this that I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord. I was saying this earlier. I'm so glad a king wrote this and not a priest. Because a lot of times when we read scriptures like this and we say, like, dwell in your house forever, we're like, that's really great for the professional ministers. Like, we'll let them do that. And I've got other things to do. But the king wrote this. And I don't know if you've ever been a king before, but I think it's like a lot of work, right? Like you're kind of like running a nation. And for someone who's running a nation or someone who's working to have this heart that says, I want to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. I want to look upon the beauty of the Lord. I want to inquire of him in his temple. Amen? So there's something through David, there's something we have access to, which is a daily reality of being in the presence of God. Amen? Does that mean that us and the worship team come to your house and play a set like every night? <laughs> you know, There's got to be a way for us to have access to this presence that's not just simply a worship set on Sunday. Amen? So here we go, Mary and Martha, first time with Mary. So this is worship as devotion. If you're note takers, that would be point one, worship as devotion. Luke 10, 38 through 42. Now, as they were on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she, said, she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister was, has left me to serve alone? I love this. I love the Bible, right? These are real people. Anyone ever, I, I was saying earlier, anyone ever prayed that prayer? Like, Lord, what about this person? Like, what are they doing? Help me out, Jesus. You know, this is totally Martha. Tell her to help me. That's what she says. I'm like, oh, Martha, I get it. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, never good when he says your name twice. You are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing. How many things? That's a big deal. When Jesus says one thing, that's a big deal. He's not like one of many things. One of many things. He says one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Now, Martha gets a bum rap. We're not going to talk too much about Martha. She was busy. She was getting things done. If she didn't do what she did, no one would have ate that night, right? But there's something that Mary had. She had a revelation of who Jesus was, right? The Jewish people were waiting for Messiah for a really long time. And the Son of God shows up in your living room, and she's glued to him. She's sitting at his feet, wanting to take everything she can from him. Amen? We have an invitation to this kind of life. To having an understanding of who the man Jesus is and that he requires our full attention. Amen? We live in a distracted society right now, constantly distracted, right? I know he made the joke about ADD, but seriously, so many things fighting for our attention. We were talking backstage earlier and we were talking about like the days, I'm a little bit older, so I remember the 80s and 90s when you like had to rent, when TV wasn't on 24 hours a day, when there was no personal computer. When you had to rent a VHS, right? Like, I remember these, they were simpler times. And honestly, I was less distracted. There's so many things fighting for our attention. What's that? <laughs> it's, it's affecting me. Um, so many things are vying for our attention. It's going to take intentionality from the people of God to basically disconnect from what's going on and connect with him, Right? There are plenty of things. Social media is like Martha all the time, like, come away, come away, come help me in the kitchen, you know? And the Lord just wants us to sit with him, amen? That place of devotion. I love that. God is so wonderful that he wants us to get to know him like anybody else. When I met my wife, I didn't know everything about her. I didn't know what she liked, what she didn't like. I didn't know her favorite foods. I didn't know her favorite color, you know? I had to get to know these things, and the Lord is the same. This is why we're in his word, not so we can have good answers, which is good, but also to know him, what he loves, love what he loves. Amen. Worship as devotion. All right, here we go. You guys okay? Psalm 27, five, the next verse in that psalm, for he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will lift me high upon a rock. Anyone experienced days of trouble? I mean, 2020 was all right. No, I'm just kidding. It <laughs> was an easy one, right? No. We understand that day of trouble, right? When we see Mary at the feet of Jesus, we're gonna see her again at his feet again in a day of trouble. And the thing that's so beautiful about this is a lot of times we as the church, when crisis happens, and it does happen, like this is, you know, that the Lord promised us that we would have trouble. I feel like we miss that sometimes, or he was like, you will have trouble, and everyone's like, what? Why do we have trouble? (laughs) You know, when times of crisis come, we mobilize the church, like, let's get together and pray. And I want to propose to you, what if we were already together praying, and the crisis hits, and we're already here, and we're like, oh, we should probably pray about this, because we're here together anyway. There's some things that we learn in crisis and and in turbulent times that are new rhythms for us as the body of Christ. And I want to challenge us today to give ourselves to those rhythms, even in seasons with no crisis, right? Where before we were coming to him and saying, Lord, what do we do in this season of COVID? Lord, what do we do in this season of whatever's going on in the United States? Lord, what do we do? What if we took those times and when those things are, those issues are done, what if we kept the rhythms, And then we just said things like, Lord, who are you? What does your word say? What is true? What's noble, right? What if we kept those rhythms? Amen. So good. In my day of trouble. I love the Lord. So this is worship as supplication. The act of asking or begging for something earnestly or humbly. Supplication. So here we go. Here's Mary again. John 11, 17 through 44. If you guys don't know this story, I don't think it's up there. So it's going to be like a little story time with me. I'll try to keep it brief. But if you guys don't know the story, it's Lazarus. We all know Lazarus gets raised from the dead. Spoiler alert. Sorry. But anyway, the people come to Jesus and they're saying, your friend Lazarus is dying. Right. And the next sentence says, and then he, he waited. (laughs) Anyone ever have that happen in your spiritual life? Like you're asking the Lord for something and it feels like he's waiting, right? And so when this happens, we're showing up. This is four days after Lazarus died. So they come in there like he's sick, he's dying. Jesus waits and he shows up four days after he's died. Now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for ten ten days. That's dramatic. For four days. Bethany Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Mary and Martha to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him, but Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Isn't this great? Martha has... Martha has a revelation that Jesus is the healer. He's like, if you, were, if you were here, he wouldn't have died. They'd seen him heal people. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And this is great. Martha is like an amazing theologian, right? Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection of the last day. Like she's like processing her pain. Amen? Amen. Listen, we all do this, right? Something's not working out the way we we want, but we know we have head knowledge of who the Lord is, so we're like, yes, we will see them again. He's going to rise again on the last day, right? And then Jesus, like, takes a big old turn on her and says, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And she said to him, yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. And I just love saying this part because Martha, again, gets the bum rap. She's the, she's the person who's in the kitchen when she should have been in the living room, right? But, but Martha has a revelation of Jesus that only two people have, it might be three, but I think it's two, have in the New Testament before Jesus is resurrected. Peter knows him as Messiah. And Martha, she has revelation of who he is. She sees him accurately. Amen? But then as soon as she says this, she goes and she gets Mary and she says, the teacher is here calling for you. And when she heard that, she rose quickly and went to him. All the Jews were saying, oh, he mu- she must be going to see Lazarus. So now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet. Saying to him the same thing that Martha said, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. The thing I just want to point out as we're looking at the feet of Jesus, Mary immediately goes to the place where she was in devotion. She comes to the man Jesus and her immediate response is to be at his feet. Now it's very different the way she's approaching him because she's coming to him with the plea for like, my brother's dead. But it's the same exact posture, the same exact place. And I just want to encourage us today, like, that's worship, right? Worship in that place of devotion, of receiving from the Lord, and then worship when you're asking him for something. It's the same posture. Amen. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. And Jesus wept, right? The shortest verse in the Bible. Jesus wept, the hugest verse, one of the hugest verses in the Bible. Because what we find when we meet the Lord in our pain, when we meet the Lord in our times of trouble, is we realize that he weeps with us when we're weeping. Amen? There's something about the knowledge of God of knowing him in the lowest lows. We were in a a staff meeting one time, and we were just going around and kind of sharing where we are with the Lord. And this one gal was like, this is the best time of my life ever. Like, we're seeing answers to prayer. It's like amazing, you know, just mountaintop experience. And then the very next person, they were like, how are you doing? And he was like, this is actually the worst season of my life. Like, his mom had passed away. There were all these things that were going on, and it just was kind of like, All coming down at the same place. So this huge mountain high experience and this huge low valley experience. And I'm sitting there and I felt like I heard the Lord say, the reward is the same. The reward is the same. The mountain high experience, the valley low experience, the reward is the same. And it's the knowledge of God. Because there's something we can know about Jesus in the valley that we don't understand on the hilltop. And there's things that we experience with God in the hilltop that we, we have no reference for in the valley. And so the reward is the same in every season. If you're in a season of difficulty, there is a reward for you in the season. It's the knowledge of God, of knowing that Jesus weeps with us. Amen? And if you're going through an amazing mountaintop experience, the reward is seeing God from that vantage point. Fulfiller of promises, right? Provider. All of those things. The reward's the same. Amen? See how he loved him. Is that amazing? I just, our God, Jesus knew he was going to raise Lazarus from the dead. And yet he was available emotionally, right? Sometimes we can come to the Lord and we know he knows the outcome and how things are going to go. And somehow he's able to relate to us and understand our pain and be with us. Amen? Isn't that wonderful? Worship. You guys ready? Psalm 27, 6. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me, and I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. Amen? So this is worship as sacrifice. Worship as devotion, knowing the Lord. Worship as supplication, coming to him in times of trouble, and then worship as sacrifice. Amen? Sometimes it is a sacrifice. To come in the morning, on a Sunday, when things are difficult. It's a sacrifice sometimes to come in and lift up your voice, maybe when you don't feel like singing. Lift your hands to him. You know that we, I know you guys know this. All of the things that we do in worship, lifting our hands, sometimes dancing, singing, shouting, clapping our hands, they're all actual commands in the book of Psalms. Isn't that wonderful? I think sometimes we come into like worship culture and we're just like, oh, I guess this is what you do at church. You know, I guess I should lift my hands. No, there's like actually biblical context for why we do what we do, amen? And sometimes it's just a simple obedience. It's a sacrifice of praise to say like, I am not well today. I am not feeling well today, but I will lift my hands in the sanctuary, amen? We had a season where... um Both of our children are miracles. Like we we weren't we weren't able to have children for quite a long time and it took us that's a was a story in itself. And then we had my son Ethan, and he was actually in hospitalized for the first ten days of his life. So he had jaundice, and then they said it was like the craziest chaotic thing ever. Every time we'd come to the doctor, they would say, It's either this, which is not so bad, or it's this, and then we'll have to keep him a little bit longer. And a series of the conversations was always like, Oh, it's the other one that you don't want. You know, it was like that over and over again. And I had to, I was just kind of single dadding it with my daughter while my wife was in the hospital like every day. And it came to Sunday, and I just wanted to stay home. Because I was tired and like I'm taking care of my daughter. I'm emotionally spent because I don't know what's going on with my son. And I'm laying there in bed like taking a nap with my daughter and I'm like, I need to go to church. I just need to go and I need to minister to the Lord. And so I go in and I take my little girl and we go into church and I just start lifting my hands and singing to the Lord. I'm like dead tired, emotionally exhausted, emotionally spent. And I come in and I just sing to him and I lift my hands and all of a sudden I feel the presence of God and the comfort of the Holy Spirit. And I'm just like, this is too much. Like, how can I be experiencing this kind of, you know, presence of God in such a crazy situation? Sometimes it's a sacrifice to do the simplest things, but the Lord sees it. Amen? Sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. Here we find Mary again. John 12. John 12. Six days before the Passover, Jesus therefore came to Bethany where Lazarus was. Which, by the way, just a little bit earlier, Lazarus wasn't. So that's like pretty, we like glance over these things all the time. We like read the scripture and it's like where Lazarus was. And we're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. This guy was dead for like four days, like buried, right? Where Lazarus was. (laughs) Sorry, I just get so fired up by like the word was. Whom Jesus had raised from the dead. So they gave a dinner for him there. Martha served, of course, right? I love that. Like, of course she served. That's what she does. Martha served, and Lazarus was one of those reclining with with him at the table. Mary, therefore, took a pound of expensive ointment made from pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. Okay, this is funny, you guys. In between, I found out... in the back, I found out that while I was preaching, they looked up on Amazon how much pure Nard cost <laughs> because they were like, I wonder if you could get Nard right now. <laughs> Ten bucks. So, anyway, it was a lot more. <laughs> if you're out there and you want some of that pure Nard, um, it was worth a lot more than that at the time, but thanks to modern technology, you know, even the costly offering can be cheaper. Okay. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? I thought that was so wonderful. Anyway, and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of perfume. You guys know, every time you lift your voices, I really believe this. Every time we come together and we lift a song to the Lord, that there is a fragrance of worshipers who adore their king that will so make an impact in society. Amen? Amen. There was this really old song in like the eighties, nineties that was like, with my hands lifted high, I will worship and sing. With my hands lifted high, come before you rejoicing, with our hands lifted high to the sky, when the world wonders why, we'll just tell them we're loving our king. Isn't that great? The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, I love John, he's like, he who was about to betray him. Can't she just Are you guys watch the chosen series? Like they they're doing such a great job with like the humanity of the disciples like yeah he was going di- to remember remember that guy Why was this ointment not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? He said this not because he cared about the poor but because he was a thief and having charge of the money bag he used to help himself to it. Jesus said, "Leave her alone so that she may keep it for the day of my burial, for the poor you will always have with you, but you will not always have me." There was something, Mary gave, I mean, there's so much in what she poured out in that moment. And I just want to encourage us today, like I'm always challenged by this. Like anytime I hear, I see Mary, anytime I see Mary in this this scripture, anytime I hear someone speaking that I know is further in their journey than I am, there's something that awakens in me that desires more of God. Amen? That desires more from me that I would want to give more to him. And I hope, I pray that you feel that this morning. Amen. Look at this, Romans 12. We all know this so well. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. To offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Amen? Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Amen. <laughs> we need this so badly. I need this. I, I'm speaking at least for me in this room. There is so much stuff coming at us day and night. We were talking earlier when I said the thing about remembering when the, when TV, the TV wasn't on, like because it just stopped. I don't know if you guys are aware of this. They stopped broadcasting at a certain time. We're in a 24-hour news cycle. They have to make up news to keep the stuff going. It's just coming at us day and night. And the, and the people of God, we need to sometimes engage. Well, no, we need to more than sometimes engage the Lord to be transformed by the renewing of our mind, to read the word and let the word transform us and conform no longer to the pattern of this world. Amen? I love that. In view of his mercy, we so desperately need a revelation of Jesus. Okay. Everyone holding tight. Extravagant worship does a couple of things. It reveals the identity of Jesus. You know when people come in and they see people madly in love with Jesus, Right? understanding who he is, and adoring him, when they come in, they're going to know who, th- there's something going on here. <laughs> someone must be really worth something. When Mary poured that out on his feet, she was saying, all of this value is yours. I give it all to you. And when people come in, they're going to see a revelation that there's someone who's worth something. Amen. It releases the fragrance of Jesus. I love this, 2 Corinthians two fourteen through 16. But thanks be to God, who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession, and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To one a fragrance from death to death, to the other a fragrance from life to life right? Two people walked out of that moment smelling the same, Jesus and Mary, amen? The fragrance filled the room, but when Mary left, she and Jesus smelled the same, and there's something that happens to us being transformed by the presence of God. We start to act like him. We start to be like him. As we're looking into the word, right, we're having our minds renewed. I was stuck at the rental car place yesterday, and they just let me know, like, Hey, we don't, know, we don't know when the car's coming, so can you just kind of have a seat? And I was like, I actually, this was really me. I said, awesome, you know, like, that's great. And I was, ask, I was asking the lady, like, how are you? Like, how's it going? Has it been crazy? And, like, I'm just kind of checking in with her. That's not me. I'm not. That's not my normal humanness. I hate inconvenience. But for that second, I smelled like Jesus for a moment. I actually didn't care about myself. I was more worried about this poor lady who's probably had five or six people yell at her, right? And just been like, you're doing a great job, right? I'll be over here sitting, just let me know. (laughs) There's something about being with him that makes us smell different, amen? (laughs) I taught about this one time. Oh, never mind. (laughs) It was at a youth thing. Nirvana was big, so we said, smells like teen Jesus, that's what we said. Yeah, sorry. (laughs) They thought the same thing. It wasn't that great. (laughs) All right, you guys. Sacrifice. So I, I don't think I've mentioned this to you, but my wife and I, we moved from Southern California um, in 2016 to be out with our dear friend Steve Fry, whom we have a connection with. That's how we're connected here with Messenger Fellowship. And we also came out as missionaries to build a house of prayer in Franklin, Tennessee. Um, and our whole heart behind that is to create a space for people to meet daily with Jesus, like straight up. Like, there's nothing really more to it. Having a, a neutral spot for anyone in the community to come and meet with Jesus. Um, and one of the things that's notable just among the House of Prayer is, like, there's tons of young people that go to the House of Prayer, and they're spending, like, hours a day in the presence of God, which is just radical. I wish there was one when I was younger. <laughs> I would have spent lots of time there. But I, the, the thing that makes me think that is when we're talking about all of these things, like a daily lifestyle, giving ourselves more to the Lord, it can feel overwhelming. And I just want to encourage us today that there are seasons of life. Amen so there's a singleness season. If you get married, there's a married season. If you're married and you have kids, there's a kid season. And everyone knows that with every season, it feels like your time gets less and less. I don't know. It's like this weird thing that happens. You have less alone time. <laughs> I remember I was like, how do I have daily devotion when I'm married? So then I had to figure that out. And then how do you wake up before your kids to get quiet time? And like my my alarm kept getting earlier and earlier as I got older. All on that to say is when we're talking about this, I want to read this for us. Luke 21, 1 through 4. This is the widow's offering, and you guys are going to be like, what are you talking about? Stick with me. Jesus looked up and saw the rich putting their gifts into the offering box. And he saw a poor widow put in two small copper coins. And he said, truly, I tell you, the poor widow has put in more than all of them. For they all contributed out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty put in all she had to live on. And this is an encouragement to us who are working full-time jobs, who are raising children. And you can hear a message like this and be like, I don't have any more time, Ryan. <laughs> like, I am maxed out. And I just want you to know that that 15 minutes a day, or that time that you're sitting doing the dishes, I'm the dish person in my house. And when I'm doing the dishes, I am like brother, was it brother Lawrence that was like big on like washing the dishes and praying. And just praying that 15 minutes to the Lord, it's it's received by him like when, an 18-year-old gives eight hours a day somewhere. The Lord receives what we have to offer. And if you don't have much to offer in the matter of time because of the season you're in, I just want to encourage you, give what you have, right? I love that. She gave all that she had, and she gave more than those who had abundance. So if there's people who have lots of time on their hands, and you want to give more of your time to the Lord, like, exciting. But if you're just like, I'm barely making it, I just want you to know that that 15 minutes, that 10 minutes, that five minutes is so sweet to the Lord. And I just want to encourage you guys with that. Amen? This is my last thing. And I, it was like a fire hose, but we're doing good. So during the pandemic, um, which I guess, I don't know, are we still I don't know if we're in or we're out. It's very confusing. But during last year, in 2020, I could say that, um, I was home a lot more. I don't know if you guys experienced that. I was home a lot more, and one of my favorite teachers from the last season has been my kids. Um, We homeschool our kids, so they're, like, having school while I'm there. I get to teach once a a week, which relieves my wife, and she's grateful, and I enjoy doing it. But we were in this um, one—during this one week, my daughter was watching a little video on Paul and Silas, and— it messed me up. So uh, uh, she was like reading, she's listening to her little video on Paul and Silas. I'm walking across the kitchen, and all of a sudden they they say this one part of the verse, and I'm like, wait, hold on. So I'm going to read this verse for you. Acts 16, 25 through 28, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. That's a pretty good worship service, just like as worship services go. Earthquakes with prison doors opening, pretty awesome. At once all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up, and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself, we are all here. And when I heard that from my daughter's computer, what's our computer, she's nine, she doesn't have a computer. When I heard that come out of of the thing that she was watching, I stopped and I was like, Lily, (laughs) Lily. And I freaked her out. I was like, Lily, do you know what that means? And she was like, No, dad, I don't know what you're doing. Um, And I was like, They weren't worshiping to get out, they weren't worshiping for breakthrough. They were doing something that even, like, even jail could not stop them daily meeting with the Lord, right? They had a rhythm with the Lord of worship, of prayer. They were like, if they weren't in the prison that night, they would have been doing the same thing in someone's living room or in a synagogue. Or, you know, name it. Wherever you put them, this is what came out of them. And so when the doors flung open and everything opened back up again, they didn't just instantly think like, oh, cool, we got what we wanted. We got the breakthrough and then walk out the door, you know. They were in there for a different reason. And because they had their hearts postured that way, this guy gets saved his whole family. This is incredible. I just think so much like I read the Bible and I realize how Western my mind is. And then I read this and I'm like, oh, my gosh, Jesus, help me. I have so much more to learn. I mean, how many of us have prayed because we think if we pray, he's going to do something for us? And that is that's reality. That's true. But then so many times our motivation for prayer or for worship can be that we receive something. And that can be no different than any other religion, right? Our Lord gives us these things of worship and prayer to bring us close to him and to bring us into the knowledge of him, amen? Amen. We're going to worship again. Would you stand with me? Obviously, we've been talking about worship as many things, but we're going to sing. Everyone okay? Worship as devotion. Worship as supplication. Worship. Worship as sacrifice. And so I just want to encourage you this morning, as we just go back in, we're going to sing that, You're Worthy of It All again. As we're singing that, if you just want to ask the Lord, like, what does that daily space look like? What's that daily place look like with you, Jesus? I want to grow in the knowledge of you. I want to grow in my ability to be devoted to you. And if you're in a season of struggle right now, let that Let that moment be right now, even as we sing to him. Lord, I'm going to sing to you, even in the middle of the struggle. I know the reward is the same. I'll have knowledge of you, Jesus. I prize knowledge of you, experience with you over breakthrough, over understanding. And then that last place of sacrifice, if it's taking a lot, if it's just been a season, I just want to encourage you, even as we sing, we exalt thee. If you want to lift your hands, again, that's not, this isn't charismatic things. This is actual biblical expression. You know, the the psalmist says, lift your hands, lift your heart with your hands. Or stand in the sanctuary and lift your hands. I just want to encourage you today, if that's you and you want to just be in a posture of surrender and offer a sacrifice to him this morning. I just want to invite you to do that. So Lord, we thank you for what you're doing in our lives. We thank you for the gift of worship. And we just ask, Lord, um, would you meet with us even now, even in this brief moment? Would you seal these things in our heart, Jesus, in your name?
2: And for from you are all things, and to you are all things, you deserve the glory. You are worthy of it all, you are worthy of it all, and for from And to you are all
0: things, you deserve the glory. I want us to sing that one more time. Words are so important, amen? Like when Jesus says one thing, when David says one thing, that's huge. What is that thing? And even as we're singing this, you're worthy of it all, Jesus. That word is so huge. You're worthy of everything, every bit of our lives. Jesus, we welcome you into every area of our lives. We say no part of our lives is off limit. You have access to every part of us. And we want to worship you in every part. Amen. And You are worthy of it all.
2: you are worthy of it all all this is for you jesus and for from you are all things and to you are all things you deserve the glory let's exalt
0: him this morning we exalt thee and we
1: Next week, we will be having a single service at 10 a.m., and uh, John Freeman will be sharing uh, for the first time on a Sunday. The week after that, I'm going to begin a series um, entitled "The Time Is Now." Um, many of you who are around are would be aware that a lot of times I wouldn't be speaking through the summer uh, due to the schedule for the rest of the year. But I feel that this is a very different summer, and I think God's doing something very, very, very unique, uh, at least within this community and so I I just want to mention that to you that that John next week, the week after that uh, a series entitled The Time is Now and that very first one, what will be a three part series, is to me the most important if you can join us for that, do so in August we have a series of of friends that will be coming in and then the first Sunday after Labor Day will be our fall launch, the most important fall launch I think in this church's history our homecoming gathering, a single service and uh, so keep that in mind and mark that down I appreciate friends like Ryan. They refresh me. And uh, I appreciate that he would come up from Nashville, that dark and benighted land, and uh, (laughs) join us in the free north. uh, (laughs) Did you enjoy his ministry today? That's Jake's guitar. He said you have to leave that. There you go. Okay. Um, Thank you for joining us this morning. Uh, It's giving honor where honor is due, but our primary purpose always here is to give honor to the Lord. So let's take that moment as we leave here today. Father, we honor you above all. We recognize those with gifts and those who are brothers and sisters, and, and we honor that too. But above all and before anything, before anything else, we lift up the name of Jesus Christ, and we honor you, and we worship you, and we are devoted to you, and I pray, Lord, that if our attention has wandered in this past year of time, that um, that you would begin the process within our own hearts and minds to realign us once again with your word, realign us once again with your Holy Spirit. To those who are not yet able to gather, we ask your blessing to those of us that are gathered here now, Lord. I pray your blessing upon them as they would go into this week and they would continue to meditate upon your word. We ask your blessing upon Ryan, upon his wife, upon the fellowship in Nashville, and our friends there. We give all the glory to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. See you next week.